Hello, ladies and gentlemen. This is Robert Sykes with KetoSavage.com. I have Matt Maywald on schedule for the podcast today. This is going to be an interesting episode. I'm sure y'all are going to enjoy it. We go into the uh, weeds about performance-enhancing drugs in the sport of bodybuilding. For those of you that do not know, everybody knows, but bodybuilding, there is definitely drugs out there, um, steroids, but there's also, it's kind of seen as a taboo thing, but there's a lot of misconceptions, misunderstandings, and just ignorance towards the topic of performance enhancing drugs in the sport. So this podcast is designed to kind of talk about that. It's not meant in any way, shape, form, or fashion to, you know, be pro hormone use or to encourage others to do that. This is just simply an educational and an enlightening podcast that talks about it. I'm a natural competitive bodybuilder. I've never used anything. I don't advocate the use of anything. I do not disrespect anybody that chooses to. Everybody's got their own body and what they decide to put into that is their own decision. Um, And I do not hold anything against you. So this podcast uh, is just kind of diving into the details about that to bring some education into light. Um, So sit back, relax, and listen up. All right, what's going on, everybody? This is Robert Sykes. I've got special guest Matt Maywald on the other line here. Matt, tell us about yourself. Hey, Robert, how you doing today, man? Um, I'm a local prep coach here in Spokane, uh, competing in NPC bodybuilding. Uh, have been fell, fell in love with weights about 12 years old and just kind of been a passion of mine ever since. Um, lifted weights, started lifting weights young as for sport to get better for football and wrestling. And then... Uh, just continued to do so um, into my later 20s and got into bodybuilding and eventually got into prep coaching um, by just helping a few people here and there and just the business kind of growing and getting more and more clients to where eventually that became my full-time job recently, the last couple of years. Um, had quite a few pretty good some success with my client base and uh, actually won the uh, team award at the Night of Champions um, this last fall which is the one of the biggest the biggest NPC show in Spokane. Um, we also finished second place in the spring at the Empire Classic. And so that was um, a pretty good year last year we have had. And um, I've just, uh, you know, basically become a prep coach from just my client's success. And, yeah, it's kind of... What, what does the, the team award entail? Like, I hear people getting that, but what do you have to like, well, qualify for that? Or how yes, that it, it's a compilation. So, like, you get a point system, and for each first place victory um, with your team members, you get five points down to fifth place, which is one point. Um, and then your competitors that don't place, um, you get a half a point. Um, I had, I believe... 11 total competitors in the fall we had six first place victories so basically we've had the most amount of first place victories in the last three spokane shows each one of those um we've been very uh we had four overalls in the um as well and you also get five points for an overall victory so it's basically you have to have more than one competitor, obviously, a team, and then it's based off of your placing, everybody's cumulative placing. Yes, and you also have people that can have multiple entries. So just to give you an example, I think we had 16 total entries, 11 competitors this last time. Um, and in the spring, to give you an idea, we finished second place with 16 total entries. 
um, to the team that had first place with 33 total entries. Okay, I see. So they so, kind of had a little bit of advantage there. Yeah, it was pretty close in the point. Not successfully close, but 86 points to like 62 points is what we had. But yeah, on our average, we had obviously much higher, you know, average player placing. Very interesting. Yeah, I had no idea. How, like, I knew that there was team awards, but I didn't know how that was broken down or placed or, or anything. So that's, that's pretty cool, man. That's, that's big. It's a big deal. Yeah, I didn't really care about it until we got started placing pretty high. I was like, okay, maybe we got a shot at winning this thing. Let's uh, yeah, man. Let's get after it. Awesome, awesome. All right, so we just got done talking about the team awards. Let's talk about uh, your prep business is Maywell Fitness, correct? Yes. Can you go into detail about that a little bit? Like, when did you start that officially and what inspired you to start that and kind of what were some of the, you know, rocky spots in the whole process and whatnot? Yeah. So basically, I'd probably start like where I started bodybuilding. I didn't start bodybuilding until 27. I'd done, you know, lifted weights since 12 years old, really seriously since 14. Um, was played college football, lifted weights throughout that, um, got done with football did some basically some strongman type stuff and like had some fun with some Olympic lifting. And then, uh, you know, I was working a lot on a business, on a nutrition store, California. I wasn't uh, at the gym very much. I needed something to refocus me at the gym. It was kind of like, you know, your therapy, you know, something Mm -hmm. you've done for years and years. And so I decided to do a bodybuilding show um, to get me back into like the swing of things, back in the gym, make me, you know, just like football season and I have to prep for a football season and get ready for that. I decided to do a bodybuilding show. So I contacted um, one of my customers who had had quite a bit of experience in bodybuilding, um, went through a quick nine week prep, did okay, got third place in the heavyweights, open class, uh, won the the, uh, novice heavyweights. This was when you were 27? 27, yeah, it was the 2009 Sacramento NPC show. Actually, uh, it's funny, like, I stepped off the scale and turned around, and none other than Rich Piana is the one standing behind me. I think it was his last show he did, actually. Really? Yeah. I believe Jeremy Buendia was in that show, and he did Junior's Bodybuilding. There was a quite a bit of, actually, Big famous people, people yeah. yeah. And there was also some pros there. I remember seeing uh, Tony Freeman. He won it. Um, Mark Dugdale. He's very impressive. I always liked him and his, his attitude and, um, you know, his the way he holds himself. Also, I remember seeing uh, one of my old idols was Pavel Japonicki, which is um, an old Eastern European bodybuilder. I've never seen him. He was smoking cigarettes backstage, blowing them out really? the back door. <laughs> I was more intimidated. I wanted to go talk to him, but I was kind of intimidated. It was pretty smoking funny. backstage yeah. at the competition. <laughs> yeah, that was pretty funny. Um, but yeah, that was a great experience. Um, you know, so that got me into it. Had a bit of a hiatus for a while. Um, ended up moving up to North Idaho and working at um, a nutri shop in uh, Coeur d'Alene. And I just how did I, you go from owning your own supplement store to working at a nutri shop? Like, what was that transition like? Well, I had a business partner in my own bit in a nutri shop, and we didn't agree on things, and that business dissolved, ended up dissolving because of that. And um, then my life took a little bit of a. Um, let's say discovery period of what the next step was going to be um it's kind of a long story but ended up in north idaho and then i saw uh, the gentleman i knew from california who had opened a new shop driving through north idaho and he was opening a new shop in Coeur d'Alene, and he needed basically an employee and i was you know the turnkey employee so i went in there and basically managed that store right off the get-go from the opening of it. Um, we had really good success with that store as far as like 
ended up being one of the top ten nude shops in the in the out of all the nude shops in Little Corn Lane, Idaho, out of about two hundred stores. And um, I decided that I needed another refocus period and I needed to do a show and there was the Night of Champions in Spokane coming up and it was eight weeks out from that point. Obviously, these are very short preps. And How old are you at this point? This was 2013, so I was, um, what, uh, 31, almost 31, 30 years old. It was right before I turned, I turned 31 and during prep. Gotcha. Yeah. And uh, I came back in, I did physique. You know, I basically kind of had a hiatus from like weightlifting actually for a while. Just some life things happened in life and just that wasn't a priority at that time. Um, Just came back, did physique, ended up placing second place in the men's C class, lost by a point to the guy that ended up winning the overall, Michael Hildebrand. And, Helped a couple guys with like their last couple weeks manipulations and stuff, nothing crazy. And, um, but just sound science and it worked, helped them quite a bit. And people saw those results. And then by the next uh, spring, I had six clients. The next fall, 13, you know, competitive, you know, not just more clients than that, but just this is competitive clients. Uh, 15 the next season and 20 the next. And, you know, it's kind of just been about that ballpark size since then very nice you just keep growing um and just market like word of mouth like yeah generally my clients will market for me i'm not too big on self-promotion and i probably should be better at that but yeah it's just been mostly from our results and um people seeing the social media posts of my clients when you started getting the clients with your that was your second show that you did I got them after the first show because they saw what I did with my own prep and the, how fast I progressed and how I helped the other people, you know, as well. The other couple other few other guys with their preps towards the end and like they saw, you know, dramatically faster results, you know. Eight weeks, man. That's quick. That's a quick prep. Yeah, it was. It was a really quick prep. And it was like I also did that prep living off grid. Yeah. In a cabin. <laughs> That's insane, man. Yeah, it was kind of an interesting little... I look back on it, and I was like, man, that was kind of a trip. But yeah, um, off-grid, no no, no electricity. Um, I cook everything on a propane stove, inside, breakfast on a propane stove inside the house. I had a propane refrigerator. I mean, this was in Coeur d'Alene? No, this is actually in the middle of the woods in Sagal area. Up by kind of by sand. <laughs> Why were you off the grid? I didn't even know about this. Well, because that's the part of the story I didn't get into. <laughs> that's personal life story. That's uh, so. My now ex-wife, bless her heart, uh, she found this cabin in the middle of the woods, and it was off grid. And um, she kept bringing it up to me that she this is what she wanted, and uh, you know, happy wife, happy life. You know, keep. And trying to keep family together at that point and uh, you know I have kids and so I'm, I mean, I'm pretty adventurous and I'm up for a challenge and so yeah we moved to the middle of nowhere in the middle of January North Idaho <laughs> Okay, so and you knowing the weather up here and the way it is up here, you, it's comical because it's it's pretty insane to do something like that. Yeah, to move is. to an off grid. So what? How like how far were you from civilization? Well, we're actually like eight miles out from Sagal, the town of Sagal, and Sagal's eight miles south of Sandpoint. Okay. So we were eight miles to the uh, west of Sagal, well, basically overlooks the Pondrite River. From the property um it's a beautiful property it's amazing but yeah that was um why i was living out in the middle of the woods and prepping and no electricity or anything 
No electricity. Um, it, <laughs> just propane. I used a uh, battery-powered lantern uh, <laughs> that I would charge in my truck on my way to work in Coeur d'Alene. So I had to wake up early, uh, go on a basically a hit cardio walk throughout the hills of the in the back uh, logging it's like roads. Rocky style here. Yeah, yeah, with my dog. <laughs> <laughs> and then uh, I'd put a pinner up for the day and, and uh, drive into Coeur d'Alene, hit a workout, lift weights, take my shower, <clears throat> go to work for nine hours, come back, hit the gym on the way back home, get home, usually about 10 or 11, barbecue chicken with a propane stove with a, on a lantern walking up and down. It's a three-story cabin, don't, I should also add as well. So <clears throat> there's a lot of stairs. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, you still have the cabin? Yes, I do. <laughs> it's, you know, pretty amazing place. Does it get electricity now? No. <laughs> <laughs> well, it has solar panels and we now, I've had uh, put batteries in there. So yeah, we, it does, but it's got, it needs some work, some little TLC. Stuff. That's awesome though, man. Like, yeah. Prep's hard in itself, but doing it like off the grid in the middle of nowhere without electricity is like. Yeah, and then I was posing about you know eleven thirty, twelve o'clock at night, thirty eight degrees. I didn't even turn, start a fire because I get home so late and leave so early. It wasn't even point of starting fire. Yeah, and it wasn't extremely cold at that point in time because it was you know August and September basically, you know. But yeah, That's it'd be crazy, 30, 36 degrees, and I'd be posing with a lantern in the mirror. <laughs> <laughs> like I had no idea about my breath. Stuff. It's like you take a lot of stuff for granted when you're in the civilization, man. Like posing in the comfort of your home. I mean, I bet you're like cold, couldn't get a pump, and you're posing. Oh yeah, it was, it was quite interesting, you know. And like, um, it just makes you appreciate things, and yeah, you know. But you just do what you got to do, you know. You don't really think about it. Sometimes Absolutely. you just put in situations, and you know, it's not that big a deal. And you look back on, it, you're like, oh, that was kind of cool. I did that and didn't really think much of it. Yeah, that's awesome, man. I had, I had no idea about any of that stuff. That's pretty cool. Yeah, actually, most people didn't know about that portion. Yeah, so that was pretty kind of a funny little time period. Some of the pre- some preps, you know, there's always something challenging that comes up in a prep. I've had my truck break down, and I had to, in the winter prep, mm-hmm. and I had to walk about 20 blocks to go in through snow to go do my cardio, and then walk 20 back, blocks back through this <laughs> blocks back through the snow. There's a lot know. of people that, like, wait to their first competition when every when the stars align because they just know that prep's gonna be hard so they just wait for the ideal circumstances but that literally never happens like once you decide to do a show then everything's gonna start going downhill and then you just gotta like stick stick to your guns and go through it yeah you know in the last few shows of mine like the last six weeks it seems like everything you know the wheels fall off everywhere and I'm just like oh, yeah. trying to hold on and I've it makes it comical me. man you gotta yeah. just laugh at it <laughs> yeah and I've been uh <laughs> Just like, okay, I got it. You know, I committed to this. Let's do it, you know. But yeah, it never goes as planned. Life happens, you know. But that makes it so much more, rewarding. you know, rewarding. Yeah, after the show, when you can look back and be like, yeah, you're just more private when you know that it wasn't easy. <laughs> you know, even the outside circumstances weren't easy. Yeah, and hopefully, you know, you can take um, those hardships you endured and like take transfer them over to the parts of your life. And, Absolutely. You know, better yourself, hopefully, because obviously. You know, just your physical body is only a portion of ourselves. Are you prepping right now? No. When's your next show? Anything in I, I don't have, I don't have anything planned. I'm just um, kind of waiting for the bug to bite me again. And like, yeah. I really want to, instead of just kind of uh, forcing the, the issue, I want to like make sure that it, it's a, you know, uh, an itch I got to scratch. Right, right. So how long do you normally take between shows, like just in general? Well, the last 
three years, I haven't really taken a lot of time off. I think I've done, I think it was 11 shows in the last three years. Really? That's a lot. Yeah. And so it's kind of like, you know, I did some time. Um, I need to take some a break a little bit. And I was like sharpening my axe, you know. Yeah. It's, it's, uh, I don't know. It's, it's tough to take that time off because you got the itch, especially after you've been doing it for a while. But, you know, you always look so much better if you do take the time off. Yeah, I body think time to recover. That you can, um, but I mean, there's some guys that re- you can rebound really well, like you know Milo Sarchev, yeah, who's did 72 shows in the 90s and IFBB Pro. Yeah, I think him and Chris Cormier have the most amount of shows at 72. He would just go f- basically from show to show and improve because you know he would rebound properly and you know do all the proper protocols and you know they call him the mind. He's yeah. quite you know well versed in the human body. So like if done right, you know you can do certain things. Obviously, um, certain people will get adrenaline fatigued or you know you get tired as well. And you know the people that generally don't seem to have as good a a fast metabolism are going to be the ones that are, you know, having a harder time to do that. Yeah. You know? Absolutely. Um, do you want to talk any more about the, the, so are you doing anything else besides Maywald Fitness now for the coaching? Or is that pretty much your, your main focus? Well, um, that's just my main, like, deal. As the, far as the prep coaching, because you're, you're with a supplement store still, right? Oh yeah, I work at the Patriot Supplements. Yeah, so like the like my day job, I guess would be the Patriot Supplements deal. Yeah, I met the owner there. He seems like a pretty nice guy. Dan's a great guy. He's actually that's the reason why I went over there um, to work with them and help them too, because they've helped me and my uh, well, they've helped my athletes and they've offered like really a genuine sponsorship, which is pretty amazing nowadays. And um, they're just like supporting local athletes, and I yeah. like that. You know, it's like a community feeling. And uh, they're giving back to the people that are like, you know, doing, you know, doing things in the the community as far as like, you know, um, these competitions and stuff like that. And they're not just spending their money on a billboard, you know. Yeah. So, yeah, I mean, competition prep's kind of expensive, you know, for the competitors. So anybody, any business, local business that steps in to lend a helping hand, you know, that's that's appreciated for sure. Yeah. You know. (laughs) It can be very expensive. Absolutely. All right, so what, what do you want to dive into now? You want to kind of go into the uh, the performance-enhancing side of things? Yeah, we can talk about that portion. I mean, I know, like, you generally deal in the field of, like, the natural athletes and the natural, you know, organizations, and in the NPC, it's, you know, untested. So right. there's a kind of open playing field. <laughs> Is there, like, does the IFBB, it's not tested or anything, but do they just totally turn the other cheek to that or are they are they just not as far as i'm aware yes and they used to have um back in the 90s i believe there was the uh diuretic testing they, started, they did that in the 90s they started doing yes and i believe you know some of the popularities of some of the diuretics became about because they were basically um supposedly not on that band list at that point in time as well you know so there's been like certain things that have happened that have manipulated the performance enhancing you know field over the years as far as things being banned or things being sourceable you know once they've been banned yeah the popularity of certain things right let's do a quick disclaimer here for the audience um just so that everybody knows the segment that we're about to get into um 
I, Robert Sykes, am a natural bodybuilder. Matt Maywell competes in NPC. We're not trying to, you know, argue one way or the other here. We're just trying to enlighten the community because there's a lot of unknowns regarding performance enhancing drugs and the sport of bodybuilding. So this is this conversation is strictly meant to enlighten and educate and bring some stuff to light in regards to what is what is done to enhance the physique and bring a better package to the table from the perspective of the sport of bodybuilding. Anything else you'd like to add there, Matt? Yeah, this is strictly informational, like, for purposes, you know, and just a lot of this is going to be um, my personal, like, what has been to- told to me personally, you know, throughout the years and things of that nature, you know. So some practical application that's been all passed down, information has been passed down. Cool. So going forward, let's just... Uh, We'll just talk about this, and we can edit any of this out too, if, yeah. if you want. Um, <laughs> what what uh, what kind of f- switch gets flipped in a in an individual's mind from being natural to decide that they want to use performance enhancing drugs for the first time, and then make that their new lifestyle? I don't know if there's necessarily a switch that flips, and I don't. I wouldn't know how to like quantify that in a person. Um, that's a good question. Yeah, because like I, people approach me, you know, asking if or when I'll ever use uh, performance sensing drugs. But for me, I don't know. I've just not really felt the need. I, I kind of compare like drugs and sport of bodybuilding to uh, car shows. You like car shows? Mm-hmm. I used to go to a bunch of car shows back home, and you've got the individuals that have like the total you know natural car that hadn't had any performance modifications to it the whole goal has been just to keep it as original as possible which i appreciate that and you have the individuals that just go all out they have like the suicide doors they have the nos they have all the you know body kit and yeah custom everything one's not you know better than the other it's just the the individual owns that car so they have the right to do with it whatever they like and the same is true with bodybuilding, you know, in your in your body. It's, it's your body. You do with it whatever you like. Um, I personally haven't want – I want to see how far I can get naturally. Like, I'm curious. And I got into sport to be just – I don't know. I just want to see how far I can get naturally. But I totally can understand and respect the individual that wants to just take it to the extreme and see how they can perform, you know, to the best of their ability um, with or without enhancing drugs and just see what they can do that's physically possible. Um so yeah, I've, I've never had that. I've never felt the need or the desire to. I'm curious, you know. Obviously, I'm curious. You know, what would I look like having done this for seven years if I was on, you know, performance enhancing drugs? But uh, yeah, I'd be curious to know like what what happens in an individual's mind that makes them want to take that next step. Um, so can you speak to that at all? I don't really know what makes somebody take that next step for each individual, but obviously it is a personal decision, you know, and. Um somebody's got to come to that point where they decide that, that that's what they want to do. You know, they want to, they want to step into that world. Um, it might be for a plethora of different reasons. Yeah. You know, it could be for sports when you're younger to be competitive, to try to get a scholarship. Um, it could be to get bigger and more jacked to the gym so you can, you know, get a tr- get the girl's attention you think you're going to get. But you're right, just going to get the right. guy's attention. Like, hey, bro, you look good, man. <laughs> like, it never worked that way. <laughs> But um, it could be a, for a lot of different reasons, you know. Um, 
hopefully it's for the right reason, you know, for the person just, you know, and at that point they're really just using it to better themselves and, um, you know, be more competitive. But obviously, you know, that is, um, it's, it's something that shouldn't be taken lightly, you know, and a lot of people do take it lightly or, or, or abuse it, you know, and um, there's some people that also look at it like in such a negative light that it doesn't deserve as well. It's like, yeah, I agree. It's a tool, you know, and it's all how the, it's used, you know. Um, it's, a, it's basically, you know, it's created, it's one of our, you know, we're talking about... That's a wide variety. We're talking about a wide field of performance-enhancing drugs, you know, in general. I mean, generally, when we talk about bodybuilding, most people know about steroids, and that's, like, the general term. And when you talk about steroids in bodybuilding, you're talking about anabolic androgenic steroids. Right. And so anabolic meaning to grow, growth, and androgenic meaning male-like. And the steroid, the hormone. So, like, these things are basically male-like hormones that build muscle and at varying ratios, you know, of androgenic to anabolic. And, um, you know, the basic one is testosterone, like our basic male hormone. And that was basically, you know, synthesized from bull uh, testicles in 1936 by the German scientists. Um, And so that it's been those, you know, synthetic hormones have been around for almost a century now, as far as testosterone, you know. Uh, That's a long time. Yeah. That's crazy. Yeah. Well, I mean, D-ball, which is, you know, Dianabol, which is a really common, popular steroid over the years, it was FDA approved in 1958. So, you know... These are all things that were basically we produced and were legal at one point in time and now are, you know, considered illegal. Why why did the FDA approve it and then and then withdraw that approval? Generally it's money. Money. Yeah. yeah. Once once you don't have the patents on raw yeah. materials and somebody else can produce it at you know a much lower uh, price and then sell it at a lower price because you, you don't have the premiums right you know uh, you know, basically a lot of the series started getting banned like late 80s 90s you know and they were banned by compound specific and there's like there's just some interesting things that have happened in the sports world as far as performance enhancing drugs and you know what they choose to turn a blind eye to and what they choose to um you know, bring to the bring to attention to people. And I'm I'm totally ignorant to like all of this basically since I haven't haven't used it, I haven't really spent time looking into it. Um there's like there's like a list a mile long in the natural federations as to what you are not allowed to use and a lot of the stuff that, that they ban is on the shelves and supplement source today, like uh, the one three dimethyl or is that just a fat burner? Yeah, DMA. So yeah. yeah. That, what is, well, it's, it's, it's a derivative. Yeah, uh, I mean, it's it comes out as a uh, you know amphetamine. You can you know test positive for in general. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, so the general public obviously looks at this as very taboo, but I feel like the general public is you know even more ignorant than myself as far as you know what does what. So general public steroid use, they look at performance enhancing drugs in sport, and they're just all 
you know, put it in a big basket and say steroids. So like Roid Rage. Roid Rage. Yeah. yeah what, it's the same thing what, as like Reefer Madness. Like you Reefer don't, Madness. Yeah, we live in Washington, you know. You yeah. Remember Reefer Madness? Uh, it's well, like I'm the, from Arkansas. I haven't been okay, here for so, two years. Okay, well, not, it's an old, it's old propaganda campaign talking about how marijuana makes you, you know, crazy and oh, howl yeah, at the yeah. moon and, you know, makes you a raging sex addict and all this and that. And you're, you're just, you know, you're going to turn out to be a lunatic, smoke some weed. Yeah. That's obviously not the case. We live in Washington, you know, it's legal here recreationally. Yeah. And you don't see a bunch of people running around with reefer madness. That's true. And That's even true. in the countries where you have, you know, steroids that are legal, you don't see a bunch of guys running around acting like a bunch of roid heads, you know, and idiots and buffoons. You know, that's actually, you know, the, it's a big fallacy. Yeah, there are people that are assholes and steroids can make someone like a super asshole yeah you know and so that's that's like you know the extreme people that kind of stand out you know the apple that spoils the bunch right and um generally you know it's not the level of androgens what's not the level of androgens that makes someone aggressive or get like that you know and how um people say it affects people's moods it's generally it is their estrogen level and when the estrogen levels get high is when um they have the issues you know the outbursts the emotional swings yeah. and things of that nature just like when us men have to survive one of those each month yeah you know <laughs> if we have a significant other yeah um this is that's the reality of it you know and there's a lot of like misconceptions and um fallacies you know about what steroids are and what they do you know and what are like rattle off like the top fallacies and, and mis- misconceptions you think the general public has towards uh the steroid use and whatnot in the sport like what, what do they believe that's just totally inaccurate just overly aggressive behavior that's not um necessarily a steroid characteristic that's a a personal characteristic you know of a person yeah um i've known thousands of people that have taken steroids and you know very few of them the ones that are assholes were assholes prior to you know taking that that's a good point (laughs) yeah um also uh well you know you, like some of the side effects are kind of blown out of proportion you know obviously they are they are we are they are reality and um differing people are all have different biochemistries so they're all going to respond differently to these things you know um but and you know there's kind of the the funny thing that guys will say oh yeah you know steroids make your dick small yeah it's kind of a funny thing because I laughed at that because actually androgens um, when you go through puberty you know you have a, a burst in testosterone which is an androgen and that's when you know you have these these male sexual sexual characteristics happen you know and you have an increase in size in your yeah <laughs> your man, manhood yeah because <laughs> of androgens so taking androgens in the form of steroids what would that do that would also have the same effect yeah yeah same effect yes it does suppress the testosterone of the you know in your testicular you know arrogant atrophy over time and pull up closer to the body but actually doesn't make you you, (laughs) (laughs) doesn't make you smaller yeah no the other part (laughs) doesn't get smaller (laughs) okay that makes sense you know and there's like actually a thing on um, you'll see like Rich Pion actually talked about that and stuff like that. I think I saw that episode, yeah. yeah. And I didn't really, I don't know, go in depth of it. But, I mean, that is kind of, that's true. That portion is part true. Yeah. You know. Um, Have you had any, um, like, do you know of any uh, 
you know, clients that have used it before that have gotten like a full panel blood test or bio. Like, I don't know how it affects all the other biomarkers as far as like um, cholesterol. Yeah, cholesterol. All the cholesterol, the liver mostly, you know, liver, um, orals are going to affect liver more, you know. Yeah, I've heard yeah. that the orals are more detrimental than the injected. To the liver. Cause the past, to the liver. Yeah, because orally, when you take in something orally, it passes through the liver twice. When you inject it, it's one pass through. And generally, a lot of the orals are methylated. And so methylated basically protects the compound that passes through the liver, but it's more hepatoxic to the liver. Okay. And there's varying um, degrees of hepatoxicity to each steroid. Is there any benefit to taking the oral, or is that just more of a simplicity thing? Well, there's there's the availability of the compounds, what compounds you can get in the oral. Orals usually peak in your blood levels by two hours afterwards. So, yeah, there is, you know, there is benefit, you know. Um, generally, yeah, I mean, yeah. Yeah. Because, hmm. like, I don't even know, I mean, what the... Uh, so like let's just talk about it from a competition prep standpoint what are what are some things that people would likely do uh in the off season versus competition prep all the way up to show day like what would what would like the a standard Cycles. cycle of everything look like for a competitor well they're not necessarily standard cycle that i would say you know because everyone's at different levels and um as far as like their experience with you know compounds and and how long they've taken them um, but that can vary quite considerably per person. You know, there's some guys that are taking pretty m- small amounts and getting great results. And there's some guys that are taking excessive amounts, you know, that more than they need to and are getting side effects and things like that, you know, and, um, everything is case by case that, you know, when I, you know, advise something, uh, but like, you know, say 200 plus you know 200 pound bodybuilder you know off season it really varies like i I don't want to say like what i would recommend but i've seen levels you know that's the problem is like i see levels all different you know different places so there's really no set standard you know um and it seems to be in certain places there's higher dosages used like in california the dose in like where i was at the dosages like you'd hear people taking were generally higher than what you have people were taking up here right in general this is kind of what the norm is around there and so people are advising and yeah like, that's affecting what people are taking i'm assuming right like so when you have like guy that's first cycle starting off with one gram of test a week that seems crazy to me yeah you know i think your body supposedly produces about you know seven milligrams testosterone a day a healthy male so approximately 50 milligrams a week so if you're you know just start off with a general 200 milligrams a week you're still producing four times what you would is that is it uh typical to like inject once a week or it's not like a daily thing right well it depends on the compound you're taking and the ester of the compound so like the esters uh, dictate how fast the compound is released. So okay. you have things like acetate and uh, propanate. And those are shorter esters, and those compounds are released very fast. You know, you also so maybe like a daily thing. Daily or every other day. You know, there's things called like suspension, like testosterone suspension that's done on a daily, or it can be used in pulse. It can be pulsed in if you're running longer estered compounds as well. 
there's there's really no black and white way to do set up these these cycles or performance enhancing drug cycles you know it's it's a really kind of a gray area there is like your kind of basic um parameters you want to stay in like a lot of guys like to use testosterone as a base you know when they're running a cycle because their natural testosterone is going to be shut off you know some guys run testosterone as the main compound some guys run it as basically just you know um, a supportive compound basically just to keep the normal test or test levels elevated you know based kind of on how much they're yeah but they might be using a different compound for their main growth as far as like equipoise or deca or trin yeah see i i always hear as trend being more of like a a cutter per se is that accurate or no uh, hardener yeah hardener yeah it does hardener i think like sometimes the terms get mixed up a little bit generally back in the day was that we had bulkers they called bulkers and cutters seems to be like there's hardeners you know and then yeah stuff that's gonna be more say androgenic and get you a little bit fuller I'm assuming like everything is there anything that would not be cycled or is that should everything be cycled to some extent um, in a perfect world everything should be cycled but that doesn't mean that caffeine happens. should be cycled <laughs> yeah it doesn't mean that actually happens there's a lot of guys that actually never come off in the real world it's you know I guess we like have this um, this idea of the right way to do it and then there's a real way people do it you know and you hear about people doing certain things and yeah you know you should take a break i mean sometimes if you're older though you're going to be on hrt you know trt hormone placement testosterone placement you know in your off periods yeah you know because your testosterone you know this day and age we live in a period of time it's really not testosterone friendly. It's not androgen friendly. You know, we have a lot of excess estrogens and synthetic estrogens, xenoestrogens in, in our food supply and our, you know, the products we put on our, our skin, our hair, you know, hairspray, lotions, conditioners, shampoos, you know, it's in your cereals. Yeah. Um, it was in the baby bottles and bisphenol A, these endocrine system disruptors. And, you know, and so basically they pump though our food supplies has a bunch of estrogens and then androgens are all banned so the male hormones are are banned and and are illegal and the estrogens and the female hormones are pushed into our food supply and you know excess estrogens lead to you know high levels of cancer as yeah well, you know so you know testosterone gets a bad rap but i mean it's just the male hormone it's what gives us as the men a zest for life and what makes us you know that gives us that masculine strength and it doesn't make us overly aggressive actually like most people like to think are there uh like anything that you've learned over the years that that helps boost your natural testosterone without adding anything like just in a natural way supplement wise or just food or just natural just all the above supplement sleep sleep sleep, you know proper water intake it's adequate amount of um, cholesterol intake actually and and cholesterol's got a bad rap too but I mean cholesterol is a precursor to your hormones exactly so like yeah that's that's been something I've studied a lot is for the for the keto diet you know because like I'm intaking a lot of fat you know, a lot of which is cholesterol. So my testosterone levels, hopefully, in my in theory, are going to stay higher throughout my prep. Right. And that's why, like, back in the day, like, Vince Garanda was kind of, like, one of the first kind of keto dudes, really. Yeah, steak and egg yeah, diet. Yeah, steak and eggs and a lot of eggs. And, like, he'd have guys that have heard read up to 36 eggs, whole eggs a day, you know. So, yeah, cholesterol is a precursor to your pregnenolone, which is your precursor to all your, your hormones, basically, and gives you that 
so you have a low cholesterol, you're gonna have low hormone output, right? You know, and saturated fats also for production of of, of you know testosterone, but you know the saturated fats, grass-fed beef or from the yolk, you know, egg yolk, or or from grass-fed butter, you know, things that have are nutrient dense and also don't have trans fats and other stuff. Yeah, you know, not a healthy fat. Yeah, well, or, yeah, and also like there's not a bunch. Yeah, and what's coming with it? Yeah, when exactly. You're ingesting, yeah, you know, not a bunch of other crap. You know, like yeah. not saturated fat from a Big Mac. Exactly. You know, saturated yeah. fat from a grass-fed flank steak. Yeah, and limit know. all the, you know, artificial fats and the trans, trans fats, fats which is going to lower testosterone actually. Yeah, and a lot of these uh, polyunsaturated fats, you know, which are good in moderation, but too much is going to lead to like inflammation and whatnot, have a negative effect. Right, and depending on the body type, sometimes that can be good if you're really ectomorphic. You know, because yeah. this inflammation actually gives you a fullness and like a better look to your physique. But if you're ectomorphic, the inflammation isn't 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 beneficial. You want to have more of a you know omega three based fatty and acid intake. You know, right. keep the inflammation down. Yeah. Very but, interesting. But, yeah, I'm, I'm. I mean, obviously, anyway. I, I mean, testosterone is good. I mean, it should be seen in a good light. You know. Yeah, I mean, so like natural testosterone. Yeah, proper sleep. You know, sleeping from ten to six in the morning. You get your circadian rhythm correct. Um, adequate water intake. You know, making sure you're not missing meals so that your body's not producing cortisol to yeah. break down your muscle and you know supply your body with amino acids. Is there anything you recommend to limit your cortisol, like offensively, as opposed to just offensively increasing your testosterone? Is there anything that you can do to limit your cortisol? As far as supplement or food? Yeah. Um, food is eat, eating often small meals. Supplement wise, yeah, like Matt Porter created um, his MPA brand supplements, Cortisol. It's like a high dose of phosphatidylserine, um, which has been proven to you know, modulate cortisol levels. Interesting. I didn't know that exists on the market. Yeah, it's pretty, pretty pretty good stuff. Yeah, and it's dosed correctly. He makes all his products dosed correctly, so they're not, so they're they're clinically dosed right. Where do you get that? At? Just any? Is it pretty common? Yeah, we carry the Patriot Supplements, um, the MPA products. Um, also, you know, <laughs> you plug that mpasubs.com. You know, he has his own website. Very cool. Yeah, I'll check that out for sure. Yeah, he has some really cool, innovative products. Um, topical fat burner because Vaso Burn, Vaso 7, which is topical, basically <clears throat> a Keto 7 product, <clears throat> which increases your natural thyroid production. And he has it in the study, it was done. Um, on orally on 200 milligrams where he has a topical application and it's supposed to be approximately I think it's five times better absorption so yeah there's there's actually quite a lot of topical supplements coming out these days um, Patrick Arnold's got one your spray I think is what he's called um, but yeah it's supposed to I think decrease fat as well yeah Patrick Arnold's another genius of you know the supplement world and bodybuilding world he's been around for quite a while I mean, for natural guys, there's a lot of ways just, you know, that you can use foods and, you know, basic or counter supplements to manipulate hormones, you know, and, and, and maximize them without using exogenous outside hormones, you know. But there is going to be a point where you're going to reach your genetic potential and you're going to stop. And that that's generally, obviously, would be in an altruistic world, optimal. That was when somebody would start performance-enhancing drugs. Yeah. Does that happen? No, not necessarily. It it happens occasionally. Um, one great example of it really is kind of actually Ronnie Coleman. When he waited, yeah, waited to Yeah, use. he was basically 
natural, either natural or very close to natural when he was pro, when he was initially pro and he was basically finishing dead last in a lot of the shows. Yeah, and Flex Wheeler got him on it, right? Yeah, I think that was that. And apparently um, the, the gentleman that owned the gym, the Flex, um, or the Metro Flex gym and Brian uh, Dobson, you know, yeah. kind of mentored him. But yeah, he it is crazy. exploded. But he was, you know, like that just goes to show you he was genetically blessed enough to be an IFBB pro without the drug use, which is very, very uncommon. Usually there's years of that, you know, drug use before somebody even becomes an IFBB pro. Yeah. So he's like the exception rule. So that shows you like, ultimately it's genetics, which is, is going to take you to the upper levels of bodybuilding, you know, because everybody actually really does have access to drugs, whether they use them or not is one thing. Yeah. And also how much of their body can, how much of the drug their body can withstand and still produce a positive result without too much of a negative side effect. What uh, I definitely think people are way too too quick to jump in to looking for you know exogenous uh, performance enhancing drugs or whatnot because people people like that started way too young they have no idea they don't have a grasp on what their body can do naturally you know there's I don't think that you should consider drugs until you have an idea of what your body's capable of because I mean it's pretty impressive what your body can do naturally right it just but also it might do with the influences that you have in your life and you know. Yeah. Um, I've seen a lot of things over the years. I've been, you know, around weightlifting and bodybuilding and sports, you know, for a long time. And, you know, that that's part of the, that's been part of the game, you know, for a while. Yeah, for sure. And, um, you know, you see some young kids, like, and, you know, I've never, not said like I'm like super close to them, but I've seen kids, you know, 16 years old, you know, that, or know that they've started basically using steroids at 16 years old. And by the time they're 20, 21, they're, they're really, you know, impressive. Uh, and then a lot of times they burn out though yeah you know because they're using excessive amounts at a young age and then they keep pushing the envelope and then you know what the next cycle is a bigger cycle and the next cycle is a bigger cycle to the point where their body is going to hit a limiting returns and there's just too much for the body to process and the side effects is you know just too much strain on the body you got to think you're processing all this stuff and like if you're if you're running excessive amounts, like all the time, you know, you're putting a, quite a constraint on your body. From a, a longevity perspective, you know, you hear in the news about like, like people that competed way back in the 70s and whatnot, and they're dying of a heart attack, heart failure now. Do you, how much do you think that is a result of their use back when they were competing? Or I guess what could people do to minimize the long-term effects? I think like, we all kind of have like a, um, a set normalcy like a, how our body wants to be you know homeostasis as far as size and you know sh- amount of muscle we carry and how much body fat we normally carry you know and some of us obviously uh, some people carry more body fat than others you know all genetics are all different and so the more I think you you go away from your genetics and how you have to basically um, you know say you're Say you're not naturally a big guy and you push these drugs envelope to where, you know, you're 100 pounds over what you should be in weight wise. I think that guy is going to have more issues, you know, generally speaking, because he he pushed the the envelope much further away from what which his default is. Yeah. 
you know the guys in the 70s didn't push their that that default as much they were they look great and they're big and structured but you gotta say like Arnold they listen at 6'2 I don't know if he's even that tall but 6'2 235 you know and when Ronnie I think won 2003 you know because he's like what 5'11 287 yeah you know so it just goes to show you three inches shorter he was supposedly in 50 plus pounds bigger yeah you know that's a it's a huge variance and, and, and much bigger you know much bigger guy much more muscle yeah um you guys on the bodybuilders competing nowadays you know that are just 22 years old 280 on stage like this like yeah you see a lot of, I mean there was a guy like back in the day like Trey Brewer I don't know if you remember him yeah, at BSN yeah. and he was like a flash in the pan because like the same thing it's just like the sensationalism and getting bigger and bigger and bigger you know what, whatever happened to him I don't know yeah, I haven't heard of anything about it. <laughs> He's super impressive, had amazing wheels, really young, and just kind of like, um, seems to be a point, and I don't know, like, because I don't know the inside of stuff, but it seems to be a point where you see guys and they kind of, their bodies kind of look, start looking run down. Yeah. You know? And it, I don't really have an eye for that. To like, people will point that out, and I just, I don't know. I probably should have a better eye for it than I do, but... Uh, you can you can definitely see how atrophy over time. You know they've kind of hit that point of limiting return, but uh, that or they're they're just they just don't look as healthy. You know they're not as crisp. They're not like tight. You know um, they just don't look. You know. Do you think that's a result of pushing the envelope too far with the uh, the steroid use over you know cumulatively over many years or just age in general? Yeah, what I've seen for some people, yeah, I think that is you know part of the reason. It's like. If you have like, um, you know, uh, a drag car and you're like excessively pushing that nitrous through that motor over and over and over and over and over again, you're gonna have to rebuild that motor quicker. But your body is, you can't, re- you know, it's one car, you get one body. Yeah. You know, so once you smoke that and you smoke your kidneys because you've been running, um, you know, anadrols for two months and your blood pressure has been through the roof and you you know then you stop and go to the next thing and your blood pressure you've had years of high blood pressure and your kidneys are ruined you know yeah. and generally because of actually that not necessarily and probably we combine that with these high extreme excessively high protein intakes you know you know the body obviously wants to find like this balance and this homeostasis and bodybuilding really doesn't allow for that you know so much yeah. you know and we're all gonna we're all gonna die one day and we don't know when that day is coming you know so i you know to each his own and what you want to do with your life and your vehicle and if you want to push the envelope with it that's your personal decision and if you want to not do that that's also your personal decision i mean i think it's just you know you got to do what's right for you and not and that and a lot of times people just um they're influenced by others and not necessarily actually doing yeah you know yeah, I, like I said in the beginning, I, I don't hold judgment on anybody that chooses to or not to use drugs. But the main thing is that they're doing it because that's their decision and not influenced by an outside party, you know, because that's ultimately the decision they're going to have to live with. Yeah. It's their body. And I don't like as a coach, like I don't push that on people. I don't I believe it's a personal decision. And so when someone comes to me, you know, and says they're going to do it, I'm, you know, Make sure that they're educated and they're going to do it correctly, you know, because people are going to do what they want to do nonetheless. Exactly. You know, and if you're not there to make sure that they're doing it correctly, it's going to be a lot of issues, you know. It's a good point. It's a good point.